today with family for Thanksgiving. I just want to say welcome. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it's crazy that it's already Thanksgiving time, isn't it? Honestly, I feel like it was just a couple of weeks ago that we're like, oh my goodness, school's about to start. We get to get Ethan back. It's like, great. Um, and already summer has passed. Winter is upon us. And it's that time. And one of the things I love this time of year, this is bar none my favorite season of the year. Because as, as hectic as our lives are, this is that season just kind of reminds us to slow down and spend time with the people that matter the most to us. And um, reflecting upon the things that God has blessed us with. And what I want to do this morning, it being Thanksgiving uh, in just a few days, I want us as a church body to be able to give thanks. I just want to create a space for where we can begin to reflect upon the ways in which God has blessed us and met us in this year. And so if you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to turn with me to Psalm 107. It's one of those psalms that um, I know I've probably read dozens of times, and yet, honestly, it wasn't until this week as I started reading through it, and I just went, my goodness, I never even recognized kind of the, the depth of this psalm. A little bit of backstory on it, because it's always helpful when you're reading scripture that was written several thousand years ago to understand the context into which it was written. Although most of the Psalms were written by King David, this is one of those that was probably written by a, a, um, a Levite, a, one of the priests of Israel. And it was written to help usher the people of Israel into a time of worship and celebration for what God had done for them. And specifically, it was written at a time when Israel had already experienced um, devastation because of choices that they had made, because of kind of rebellion against God and forgetting about his goodness. He said, okay, I'm going to give you over to the things that you want. And because of that, the, the nations around them began to just chip away at Israel and ultimately the people were scattered. And for hundreds of years, they, they lived away from the promised land that God had given to Israel. And then, God being the redeeming God that he is, began to gather the people back up and bring them back into the promised land, back to Jerusalem. So this psalm was written as a, a psalm of thanksgiving to remind the people to give thanks for what God had done in the context of having already experienced kind of being scattered, having already experienced slavery, having already experienced uh, just desperation. And so we read this now. Psalm 107, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those whom he has redeemed from the hand of the foe, those whom he has gathered from the lands, from the east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners, suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor and they stumbled and there was no one there to help. 
Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away the chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Some became fools through their rebellious ways, and they suffered affliction because of their iniquities, because of their sins. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his work with songs of joy. Some went out on the seas and ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the work of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he, Yahweh, God, spoke and stirred up a tempest, and the storm lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths, and in their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm. And he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. I'm going to stop there. We could keep going. But I think that you get the point of what this psalm is about. So often... um, In the church, we kind of come into this mindset that if we follow God, if we give our lives to him, he's going to make everything better, right? He's going to clean up our lives. We will have no more trouble, no more trials and all those kind of things, or at least that's where my mind goes, that if I come to God, he will just make my life better. And in some, there is very, there, there is truth to that, but We all live real lives in a broken and fallen world. And we all recognize that things aren't always so easy. Hearts break. Relationships crumble. Our bodies break down. Temptations abound. Some of us sit in here today carrying addictions in with us. Carrying guilt and shame in with us. You know, On the night before Jesus ultimately went to the cross and paid the ultimate penalty for our sin, on the night before he died for us, Jesus said to his disciples, to the men who had followed him most closely for the last three years of his life, he said, listen, in this world, I want you to know you're going to have trouble. I want you to know you're going to endure hardship, persecution, pain. Sickness. Many of them would die a martyr's death. Many of them would experience starvation, privation, not even having a place that they could call home. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But he didn't stop there. But you can take heart, he said, in the fact that I have overcome the world. In other words, persecution won't get the last word because of what I've done on the cross. 
Because I have died for your sins, sickness won't get the last word. There will be a day where there will be no more sickness. Because of what I'm about to do on the cross, shame and guilt, sin will no longer get the last word. Because you will, you who struggle in sin will be called saints, saved sinners. Because of what I'm about to do on the cross, even death and the grave will no longer get the last word. That's the gospel message. But I want us to recognize that he was speaking to the guys who were closest to him. Those whom could probably say, hey, I'm following you. I'm doing what you want. If anybody could claim to say, I'm going to have an easy life because of it, it would be them. And yet he's warning them, you're not going to have an easy life. Because that is not the ultimate goal of life in this world. In this broken and fallen world. Furthermore, what I love about this psalm, the reason why this one really resonated as I was reading it, is because so often when I think about Thanksgiving, my Thanksgiving tends to gravitate towards those things that are all about comfort, all about accumulation. Thank you, God, for the, this house or for this vehicle or for you know these things and whatever, for our health. And, and, and we truly are grateful for those things. But it's within the depths of pain that we begin to recognize our blessing. It's, it's in those moments when we come to the end of ourselves and realize, I don't have the strength to keep going right now, that we begin to truly recognize God's goodness. At least that's what I found in my own life. That those who have endured the most celebrate the hardest and are most grateful so we have pictures of, of people who are wandering in the desert, isolated, alone, without a people to call their own, not even knowing where the next meal is going to come from, not even knowing if they're going to survive the night. And they cry out to God in their desperation, and in their desperation, he meets them. In the depths of their valley of the shadow of death, he meets them, and he guides them out of it. And they truly have something to celebrate and a story to share talks about those who have been imprisoned because of their rebellion against God who know the cold feel of the, the cuffs on their hands because of the choices that they've made and in their desperation they cry out to God and in their desperation he meets them and he breaks the chains off of their wrists and he opens the door to their prison cell and he sets captives free. And there are some of us in here this morning who are captives to things in our own lives. And that's all we want is to be set free. And there are some of us in here who have experienced God setting us free from our captivity. Perhaps it's to choices that we've made or to addictions that we have nurtured. And God has set us free. There are others it talks about who, through their rebellion against God, were suffering because of self-inflicted wounds. They disregarded his directives and his warnings as a loving father who wants to pray. We often kind of look at God in one of two ways. Either he's our homeboy, who's kind of there, he's our, our spiritual cosmic vending machine, and all we have to do is the right things and to put in the right spiritual coinage, and he'll give us whatever we want. Or he's the divine traffic cop with his arms crossed up in heaven, and his Poncherelli shades on, waiting for us to screw up, and then he's going to slap us down. 
And that is not the God that Scripture portrays. There are certainly consequences to our choices, but the God that Scripture portrays, the God that we find all throughout the Old Testament and the New is a loving Father who wants desperately to protect us from our own natural inclinations so that we can be a people that not only are free from the pain of that, but that we can be a people who are a holy priesthood that represent him, ambassadors of hope and reconciliation to our community. So that we're not people who are just trying to sell something that we don't actually experience ourselves. And those of us who have experienced self-inflicted wounds, in our desperation we cry out to God and in our desperation he meets us. And he walks through the pain. That doesn't necessarily mean it goes away. I think of my buddy Jeff who has tattoos up one side of his arm and down the other, swastikas on one side, crosses on the other. He could take his shirt off and tell you his testimony through his tattoos. He spent half of his life in jail for strong-armed robbery. And it's in jail that he met God. He did more drugs than you could find in a CVS. And God has radically transformed my buddy Jeff's life. He's gone from being a convict to now being a pastor. More than that, though, God has done unbelievable things in his heart to the point where he loves the people that before he was taking advantage of and ripping off and willing to beat up. But here's the thing. There's still consequences to his choices. To this day, he can't go in and get Novocaine because his body has gotten so good at processing those drugs that it does absolutely no good. So there are consequences to that. But he looks at his life and he goes, My God, has, God has redeemed me. Yes, there are consequences. Yes, I still will you know, have to endure some of those things here and now. But I look forward to the day where I will feel no more pain. More than that, I get to be an ambassador of hope and reconciliation to my community, to my friends. God redeems even those of us, and I think it's all of us, who have disregarded his warnings and have made choices that have been self-destructive and have hurt those closest to us and hurt ourselves. Finally, he talks about those who endure storms in the midst of life because we all have circumstantial things that are outside of our control. He uses the metaphor of those who are on a ship in the sea and it's tossing because the sea has just gone crazy with a giant storm to the point where these hardened sailors are terrified for their lives and they just go it's over and in the midst of their distress they cry out to God and in the midst of their distress God meets them and he calms the storm and he leads them to a safe harbor and they have a story worth telling they truly have something to celebrate. And, and throughout, we as human beings are, are silly creatures because we, in the midst of a moment, get fixated on what's in front of us and on the needs that we have and on our, our, our fears. And then it passes. We're sick. We get better. And then we forget about the sickness altogether and we go on with our regularly scheduled lives. And other little things come in and start to distract us and get in the way. And we completely forget about the answered prayers that God has done time and time again. And so throughout Israel's history, he would constantly encourage them to stop and to remember how he'd been faithful, to stop and to take stock of the ways in which God had met them in the midst of moments. And so he, 
from time to time would say, okay, literally stop right now, look down on the ground and pick up some stones as you're crossing through the Jordan River out of the wilderness where I've kept you for the last 40 years, the wilderness where I've been providing food every morning, meat in the form of quail every night, water coming out of the rocks and your clothes have never rotted off your body. Before you even got into the wilderness, you were sure you were going to die at the Red Sea, but I separated those waters and led you through on dry ground and then I decimated an army that could have crushed you without losing a single man. I have taken care of you and now I am bringing you into the land that I have promised you. So as you cross through the Jordan River on dry ground, because once again I'm going to stop this river up, I want you to stop in the middle of the river and pick up stones. And when you get to the other side, your first steps into this promised land that I had promised your forefathers I would give you. Take those stones and build an altar of remembrance. So that years and generations from now, your children and your grandchildren will look at those stones at that altar of remembrance and say, well, what happened here? And you'll be able to tell the story of what I've done. And so that's what these stones are for. These are not in case I speak heresy this morning, you get to throw them at me. These are going to form an altar of remembrance because I suspect that if all of us just kind of slowed down long enough to actually think about this year, maybe think about the last few years, I think each and every one of us could probably come up with a number of ways that God has met us, that God has shown himself to be faithful. And it doesn't always need to be, God's faithfulness doesn't always look like things are comfortable. In fact, often God's faithfulness finds its Self most manifest in, in those darkest hours when we have reached the end of ourselves. Um, and this morning, what I really want to do is I want to be able to share some stories as a family. And, and so we're going to start. I'm going to invite my, my bride to come up here and join me up here. So Kat, can you head up here? Because um, we just want to share a little bit about how God has met us in the last several months. She doesn't like being up here, so give me a sweetheart. Um, as many of you guys know, because I announced it like a month ago, Kat and I are, were pregnant, have been pregnant. No, we were. Were? Yeah. yeah. Okay, whatever. Um, we, we, and somebody just found out that we were. Um, and it was one of those things that was completely unplanned. We have two amazing boys that require every single ounce of the energy that we have. And we, we just kind of said, we're good. We're ready. We're, we're ready to, I'll, I'll go make a date for some frozen green peas and we'll be finished with this whole thing. And love the boys we have and maybe one day God will, 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 will adopt someone. Yes, I said that in front. I'm sorry. You need, I need to run these things by you first. Um, and then um, all of a sudden Kathy goes, I'm pregnant. Okay, and I was totally fine until she said, you know, we're going to need to get a minivan, and that's when my whole world dropped out from under me. <laughs> no! So, days became weeks, and weeks became a couple of months, and we got to hear the heartbeat, and we were just starting to get used to this idea that we are going to be parents again, and okay, we're going to, this will be great. And, and there were some complications in the midst of this pregnancy. Um, and... For those of you who don't know, the last pregnancy we had was a really difficult one. Most of you guys walked through that with us. Our son was born 11 weeks prematurely, and Kathy had been on hospital bed rest for a couple weeks even before that. So we had endured, and then he was there at the hospital for about two months, and we didn't know it 
at a couple of points whether he was ever going to come home to be with us. And so there was already that, and there was a miscarriage even prior to that. And so there were parts of us that just go, God, what can we do to, to, to control this? And as parents, you want to do everything you can to, to protect your children, even the ones that we haven't even met. And we tried to do everything we could, but at the end of the day, we recognized that we were out of control. We had no control over this. She was eating all the right things. She was doing all the right things. She was taking care of herself and not pushing herself. But at the end of the day, we could not control whether or not this baby would make it to full term. And so time and again, we just had to pray this prayer, God, this child is yours. We entrust him or her into your hands. If you're willing to allow us to raise this child, then please give us that opportunity. But if not, this child is yours. Glorify yourself through him or her. Well, about three weeks ago now, um, we had a miscarriage. And what's interesting is even in the midst of this, the one we had before kind of spun us. And it was a really painful experience. And this one on the heels of having Grayson's really traumatic birth um, could have devastated us. Probably should have. But the reality is, as we look back on this about three weeks into it, um, it has been the most unbelievably redemptive miscarriage I could ever experience. And let me explain a couple of reasons why. I want Kathy to jump in here on this with me. First off, God has met us in every step of this journey, from before it even happened, to in the midst of it, to after it. You guys have played a huge part in that, in coming around us and loving us, and praying for us, and supporting us, bringing us meals taking our kids so that we could just spend time together. Even on the night when it happened, this is the circumstances of it. Both of our boys had just gone down to bed and normally they sleep lightly. This time they slept through a lot of wailing and crying. My mother-in-law who lives with us just happened to be out of the house that night to give us the freedom to just be there and not have to worry about explaining anything to her. And we got a good half hour to just grieve together and we grieved a lot. We grieved the loss of this child that You know, uh, we had just come to terms with the fact that we were going to get to meet. But it's even more than just those nights and the grieving together and the the time that it, and it really bonded us, I would say, going through that. But I know that God had been really preparing your heart leading into this as well. Can you tell a little bit about how he'd done that? Okay. Um, is it working? Okay. Um, so anyways, um, some of you know a little bit um, about my experience because I shared in the 21 days of prayer. But really to um, understand it fully, what God did for me in it and really us, it really goes back to about three weeks prior and what God was doing in my life before. Um, and what happened was is I, um, in the 21 days of prayer, I um, was going through some complications in the pregnancy, and so a lot of stuff was going on with me. I was having a hard time sleeping, just kind of, I mean, I was functioning, but, you know, there was just a lot going on with me. And I also felt like a little bit of a distance from God, and I was like, what's that about, you know, and God show me. And so I was really in prayer on, like, just really enter in, God, and, and help me to see how I can have intimacy with you in this, and and really trust you in this. And he really did a, a miracle in my life um, in the 21 days. And for what, 
do you guys all know what the 21 days is? Okay, yeah. Um, we spent three weeks just sitting in God's presence Monday through Friday for an hour and a half each night, just allowing God to kind of help himself to our lives and saying whatever you want to talk with us about, go ahead. Yeah. So it's been a while since I've just sat with, with the Lord for, you know, an hour and a half. And I did. And honestly, it was the most intense therapy session I could have ever had. And, you know, I've sat there on other days and really just sat in his presence and maybe not heard or felt anything. But this first night that I did, it was um, very impactful. And I felt like we were like friends talking back and forth. And he was really instructing me a lot and showing me a lot. And what he showed me was is that um, basically... Um, just a little little thing over here first is that when I grew up, my um, my head and my heart um, learned how to cope with pain by separating. You know, if that makes sense. So, so in my head, I always knew and I could proclaim. I was raised, you know, to believe in God and and I believe it with my whole heart. Like I trust in you with this and. You know, you are loving and, you know, and we're going to get through this. Everything's going to be fine. But my heart, I was never really taught how to deal with the emotional part. And so I would feel all of these overwhelming feelings and not know what to do. So as a young girl, um, not really having someone to walk aside to show me how to do it, I separated that out and just lived out of what I knew in my head. But there was so much else going on, you know, in my heart and so many emotions that were kind of separated from that. And he, sh- he really brought it all, to, um, all together that night and really helped me to integrate, um, which was just his goodness. And he showed me that fear had really become prevalent in my life and that I had let that come in and kind of make a home, especially in those times when I got triggered with, with just fear and pain. And, um, and he also showed me because of that there was control. And I asked him for what his words were for that. So he showed me that fear was an idol in my life and that um, the control part was really pride. And so um, I ne- wasn't really aware of that before, but I became aware of it. And he led me into a repentance and confession of that, which was beautiful. Um, but I asked him, you know, if you're going to take this huge root out, then wh- um, what are you going to replace it with? And he reminded me of the scripture, uh, many of you might know, 1 John 4, 18, which is perfect love casts out all fear. <clears throat> and really the only person that has perfect love is, is God. And so he told me very simply, like, all you need to do, like, I'm going to do everything. Like, all you need to do is to um, rest and sit in my perfect love for you and trust me. So I was like, oh, okay, you know. So we were, like, seriously talking back and forth. It was cool. Um, so, <laughs> so, so anyways, he told me, I, you know, you really need to confess this out loud. I didn't understand, um, and, um, but I did, and I think that just made it so much more real. Um, and what happened was is that I was confessing this knowing in my head, right? But once I, fir- once I confessed it and really said, oh, I'm going to sit in your perfect love for me, and I'm going to just, I'm proclaiming my trust in you. He brought those together. He integrated me. And to the point where all these things that I didn't know how to feel before, I broke. And I literally was brought into my grief of, I mean, images and things were coming back. And I'm like, whoa. Like, it was just, it was so good, though. It wasn't like pain and grief. It was just goodness. It was so healing. And <clears throat> and I actually asked him in that time, like, what I, what, I've always tried to touch these areas, and I didn't know how. Like, what's helping me to touch these? And he said, because you're literally 
resting in my, my love for you, you're able to tolerate all of that pain. And I was like, whoa. And I've never felt his love like that for me before. You know, I always knew his love, but really felt his love. And so I feel like he did a miracle because I feel like he changed my coping mechanism so that if I, you know, now going to our miscarriage, I didn't know, but we really, I really gave over to him again, the complications and the pregnancy. And then three weeks later, to have us go through that, it was the most beautiful thing, and Eric can attest, I have dealt with this so much entirely radically different than I have any other thing that he's seen me go through in my life, because I have been integrated with Jesus, and in um, my heart, my emotions, everything together, and and that's what I would say I'm, I'm so incredibly thankful for um, this year in particular. So what would you put on your stone? Oh, yeah, so I... Uh, I put um, God's goodness and loving kindness um, because throughout this whole thing, I was literally calling Eric like or talking to him. I mean, so, multiple times a day, just like God is so good. And, you know, wow, his goodness is just overwhelming me. So, yeah, he really met us in some very tangible ways. One last thing, because I want to share. Um, when we had the miscarriage, many of you know, I have been desperate for a little girl. Uh, I got my boys and I want a reason to have them protect something, you know? And um, <laughs> and when we got pregnant, I was just going, maybe this is our girl. But when the miscarriage happened, I, I in, the, in the emergency room, I told Kathy, I don't want to find out what the sex is. I don't want to know. Because if I find out it's a little girl, I don't know if I can handle that. Because I had taken a test yeah. the week prior that... She had taken a, a, a blood test where they can now tell you if there's any genetic issues as well as the gender. And so... I'm like, I don't want to find out the, the, the results from that test. Well, about three days later, the geneticist calls and talks to Kathy, and then she calls me up and says, I want to tell you the results. Okay. First off, there was a genetic issue that explains why we had the miscarriage. It's nothing to worry about if we were ever to get pregnant again. It's just one of those typographical errors in the DNA. Okay. And, and we have a little girl. Um, and I thought it would break me. But the first thing that God brought to mind was this book, um, that Gene Grivey gave me, Heaven is for Real, by that little kid, Colton Burpo, who, who, as a very young child, has a near-death experience, spends some time in heaven and comes back and starts kind of articulating it to his parents. And he brought to mind one specific thing in that book. There's a part where this little boy is saying, Mommy and Daddy, I have two sisters. No, son, you have your older sister. No, I have two sisters. The one that died in mommy's tummy, and they never told him they'd had a miscarriage. The one that died in mommy's tummy, I met her in heaven, and she's so excited to meet you. That, in the moment that Kathy told me that we'd had a miscarriage, that, that it was a little girl, that came to mind. And I realized that God has answered my prayer. Because although I'll never get to cradle her and watch her, you know, spend, you know, all hours of the night with her, Although I'll never be able to chase any boys off, or walk her down the aisle, or tell her that she's not allowed to play volleyball because of the shorts they have to wear. In spite of all of those things, I have a daughter. Her name is Sienna Grace. And she is just as much a part of our family as our sons. Just as much a part of our family as Kathy or I. And I can't wait for the day that I get to meet her and our other child. I can't wait because they're part of our family and God has answered that prayer. And so on my stone, I wrote Sienna Grace Wayman. I am grateful for her, and I'm grateful for the ways that God redeems the most painful things and makes them beautiful.
I'm grateful for the ways that he healed us through a miscarriage and has brought us way closer together. And so what we're going to do this morning, in front of you, there are Sharpies. There's some black ones. There's some silver ones. There's only one or at the most two per row. So you guys are going to have to learn to share. On your stones, I'm going to give you the opportunity just to consider how has God met you? In what ways have you seen God be faithful? What are you thankful for? And in a word or a couple of words, you can just write that on the stone. But more than that, we're a family. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of take a little, uh, we're just going to open up the mic. And it's a little dangerous because sometimes we like to, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to trust that you guys can keep it brief enough that lots of people can be able to share. But I want to open up the mic for some of you who feel like you just can't hold it in and you want to give God the glory for what he's done and for the ways he's met you. We, the redeemed, are going to share our stories. And then in a little bit, when we enter into a time of worship, we'll all come up here and we're going to take our stones and we're going to put them into this vase. And this is going to be our altar of remembrance. We're going to keep this around and we're going to probably have it here where people can continue to add to it in weeks and months as God continues to show himself to be faithful. But right now I just want to pray and then I'm going to open up this mic for some of you to come up and share the ways that you have seen God be faithful. You bow your heads with me. Father, I love you. Thank you for loving us in spite of our brokenness, our fallibility, often our self-centeredness and our rebelliousness. God, you have done some remarkable things, many of which we've forgotten about. We've just taken them for granted or they've just become part of our past and we get so fixated on, on the unknowns of the future that we don't take the time to remember them. I pray right now that you would bring those things back to mind so that we could give you the glory and we could celebrate the ways that you have been faithful to us, Jesus. In your name, amen. All right. The mic is open. Who would like to share? Mrs. Calkin. Calkin. You've known him forever. I'd like to say it incorrectly on purpose. Uh, My name's Emily. My husband's name is Clint. He is in serious back pain right now, so he's like laying down on the couch somewhere. Um, Anyways, this year for us has been crazy. I think Clint said a little while ago, thank goodness this year is almost over. Um, we started out the year on January 2nd, Clint went into work and was told that he didn't work there anymore after working there for almost 13 years. So, um, that definitely changed our lives and, um, it was amazing because we got to totally trust God through that, both of us, and it brought us together and, um, provided Clint opportunities to do other things while he was looking for work. And, um, a couple months later, He got a job in a totally different field, and it was um, a lot of learning and all sorts of stuff, but he loves it. Um, After only being there for six months, he's already got a promotion and is training for his new position, and um, I wrote on one side of our rock, um, his timing is perfect, um, because God just had incredible timing in you know finding this job for my husband that he loves he loves going to work even though he has to commute to San Clemente and it is amazing providing um, people for him to build relationships with who don't have a relationship with Jesus and um, just all that stuff it's been amazing to see God do that and then the other thing is um, 
I had we had a son this summer, so I was pregnant for the first half of the year. I hate being pregnant. I was really sick and couldn't sleep and all that stuff that comes with pregnancy for some people. Um, but then he was born. It was great. And um, a couple weeks in, I just wasn't um, feeling like myself. And I finally um, emailed my doctor and was told to call, like, the behavioral health people. And I had an appointment with a therapist. And I was feeling horrible, like I couldn't cope. And she pretty much told me that, um, well, ugh, your son's only five weeks old. Like, you just need to go home and rest and have people help you. And so then I'm like, I don't think I'm supposed to be feeling this way, but okay, I'll try to nap more. Um, and then I went in for my postpartum checkup and was just crying at the doctor's office, and she was really concerned. And, um, yeah, it, I had postpartum depression. It was awful. And I didn't want to be around my son, and I um, thought about killing myself, and it was horrible. It was the worst experience of my life. Clint lost his job. You know, we'd have a miscarriage previously, like other bad stuff, and this was by far the worst, worst thing in my life. And um, I w was on medication for it, and after a couple weeks, the medication started working. And, um, yeah, the other thing I wrote on... Um, the other side of my rock is um, just, what did I write on the other side of my rock? <laughs> what does it say, Nina, on the other side of my rock? Oh, he overcomes, yeah. I, I, I obviously need to put the rock at my house where I can see it. Um, anyways, but just the, um, that God overcomes, because I know, like, it was, you know, the medication helped balance out my hormones and stuff like that, but... God overcomes, and God has overcome that for me, and now I love to be around my son, and I um, am, again, grateful for my life and stuff, so um, it's just been amazing. It's been a hard year for us, but it's, you know, it's great to have a hard year because we grow closer to God and see him work in our life, so thank you to everybody who's walked through it and is walking through it with us. Um, we love you, and we appreciate you, and Clint, I hope it's okay that I shared that. <laughs> Who else? Oh, Fippers, come here. By the way, if you have not yet had a chance to get to know Tom and Terry Phipps, you guys are, take the opportunity today during lunch. Sit with this man. We landed here about, uh, what, three years ago, I guess, maybe a little before, and uh, we'd had some number of crises uh, in our family. But we were pretty much broke, and uh, we didn't let anybody know that here. We've always felt like we were walking with the Lord. He'll take care of our needs. But just before Christmas, some ladies from this church, one of them with her daughter, showed up at our house with a Christmas basket. Without that, we probably wouldn't have had Christmas. I didn't know hardly anybody at this church, so I don't know how that happened, but I guess God did. Well, that just really changed a lot in our life to realize the faithfulness of him. That's what I wrote on my rock, his faithfulness. Since that time, God has turned our business around. We're not in high cotton. If you're a farmer, you know what I mean. <laughs> but we have been able to provide for a, my daughter's wedding. I was married right here at, the, at this altar, and I, I am ordained, so I was able to do that. 
uh, he provided for me this year to take a vacation. We've been married 40 years, and it's the first time I've ever taken a vacation and could afford to go and have a time with the Winnicky family. We traveled. You can't imagine the peace it was to take time off. I don't know if any of you have read this Karen's book about a father, Tim, who got to 60-year-olds before he took a vacation, but um, I had to wait till I was 74, and I had a, a, a birthday at 75 and got to sing happy birthday to a little lady in the, in the um, Grand Ole Opry floor out in the center. <laughs> But you can't imagine what that meant to me at 75 years old to go on a vacation. First time in my life I could go and know that we could probably eat beans and hot dogs on the way and afford to do that. All that has been done by the faithfulness of the Lord and thanks to a lot of people in this church that have encouraged us. Uh, thank you so very much to Pastor Lee and to Eric and all of you that have supported us and loved us through this. Thank you. I love that on your first day you guys are coming up and sharing. That's awesome. I'm thankful for my wife. We've been married a little less than a year now, and she's just a blessing from God. And that's what I wrote on my rock. I think it's for my wife's sunshine. And I'm grateful for. Um, um, Applying scripture, having a heart of gratefulness. I learned this little um, lesson. My daughter, when I was um, 25 years old, she, she was four years old, and she got a little bee sting stuck in her eye, and she was screaming. We took her to the hospital. We couldn't get that thing out. And so the doctors had left the room, and she was just crying, 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 screaming. I mean, it was very painful. And I remember a scripture verse that says, Give thanks in all things. And I said, Thank you, Heavenly Father, that this bee sting is this thing is stuck in her eye and I thank you for the peace and just prayed over her and instantly she became quiet and so for the last 25 years I've been using that little principle give thanks and everything I've had thousands of dollars appear in my in my bank account in my purse and I, I, I like every day is a walking miracle for me I mean I was sick for 20 years of my life had cancer three times I'd have to say uh, thank you for the cancer a hundred times a day you know and then someone loved me enough to pray for me, and that cancer disappeared. And, I mean, three times that's happened. I have story after story. So today I just want to thank God that he never leaves me or forsakes me and that his scripture really does work and having a heart of gratitude and joy and walking in holiness and faithfulness that um, life is the most exciting thing that can ever happen. And I had eight children, but I lost three children. And it is, it's, it's on my rock. I said thank you for my earthly and eternal family because I know that they are literally praying in for us. And, you know, a few years ago my husband died. And I thought, well, you know, how, who is going to ever marry me with eight kids? So anyway, thank you, Houston. <laughs> What about it? Oh, you want to get the mic a little closer? Okay, stand closer to the mic. Our Mikey is telling us. Who's up? Who's coming? Please. I'll bring him along. Come on, Pam. <laughs> this is Pam and Jeff. Yeah. Um, 
this has been a really crazy, horrible year for us, and um, my husband was battling addiction, and it wasn't the first time in our marriage, and I didn't know if I could make it again. And I prayed every day when he was not himself because I know who he is, and he was just not himself. And so I hung on to the promise that God will conquer all of our iniquities and take out all the pain. And um, we started, Jeff um, got a new sponsor, and he took him to influencers. And I am so thankful for that group of men that took care of my husband and prayed over him. And he couldn't wait to get up and go at 5 o'clock in the morning. I, I'm like, what? What are you doing? You know, where are you going? And, I, and he come back, and he was it. He was the best man I've ever met. I loved him so much. I was just so, I I was so confused, you know, because is this true, God? Are you answering my prayers for the last 14 years right now in front of me? And then we came here for um, the class on Saturday for 21 days. A concentration? I always say it's not right, right? I like that too. <laughs> Close, <laughs> enough. Close enough. <laughs> so the next Sunday, um, we had met a couple elders in the church, and they were so sweet. And so we came back the next day, and we haven't stopped coming since then. And this church has just this group of people. And Jeannie, where's Jeannie? She, oh, she's right. She just, I, I decided, I came on that Sunday, and I said to Jeff, Maybe I should just go to the woman's retreat. And maybe I can find a peace with God there. And I went, and I know I didn't know anybody but Jeannie on the phone. And so when I pulled up and we all rode together, I'm like, I'm so comfortable. Uh, you know, I can feel the presence of God here. And we went up there, and I met new friends, and then we'd been coming here the whole time. And you can't believe the difference in our marriage. And I I just wrote, God, thank you for being so faithful because um, we need this. And we're, right? <laughs> you don't want to say anything? <laughs> so, what are you going to say? Well, you'll hear it. Okay, no. I'm done. I'm okay. sorry. Love you. I love you too, baby. Love you guys. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll make it uh, short. Um, I, I had been sober for uh, many years, and um, um, I have a bad back and a bad neck, and I've had a lot of surgeries. And um, so finally, I <clears throat> I tried a pain pump to see if I could, it could take care of my pain, and um, and that just got worse and worse, and had to have more and more, and. Um, so um, Pam's sister came down, and um, I have in my rock, I have uh, thankfulness and trust. And, um, you know, the people that came down, and her sister came down and took care of me uh, for eight days. <coughs> Excuse me. And then uh, it took a long time to get into the hospital to be able to t uh, get off all the medication. And um, I just let go. Uh, you know, they say let go and let God, and that's what I did. I just uh, surrendered. And um, 
and God's been with me ever since, you know. Um, so I'm thankful for the people that, that stuck by me, you know, my wife and her sister. And and um, and then I met uh, Tom at the Influencers and Jim, James. And, you know, just if it wasn't for all the people here and Eric, you know, we played volleyball in the pool trying to kill each other. <laughs> in love. I, I said, oh, I got to go check him out, you know. <laughs> Yeah, he told me about this church here, and that's why we came. And uh, I just love love it. And um, and thanks for thank you, God. Yeah, we're really grateful you guys are here. Are we supposed to do it now? Mm-hmm. No, go ahead and put it in. Okay, doggone it. We are like so going to be going over time, and I need to respect the fact that we got kids across the street that want to eat at some point. We also are going to have that opportunity to share stories around the tables as we break bread together in a, in a little bit. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. And each and every one of you have a stone. And during this time, as you feel ready, I'm just going to invite you to come forward and put your stone in this. And that even that will be a sound uh, honoring the Lord. Um, but let me just pray for us. And then we're going to take some time to worship God and thank Him for His faithfulness. Father, I thank you that you meet us in the good times and the hard ones. I thank you that you are a God who redeems the years that the locusts have eaten. That you're a God who shows up in our dark times, that you don't turn away from us, that you move towards us. I thank you that you are a God who loves us. And we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the good things and thank you for the hard ones that have helped us to grow. We thank you, Jesus, for your willingness to go to the cross so that at the end of the day, our struggles, our sorrows, our pain, and even our death won't get the last word. We look forward to the day that we get to be with you. Jesus, be glorified in our lives. In your holy name, amen.